0: You know, there's nothing like having lunch on the top of a suspension bridge.
1: Yep. This is a lovely, lovely view.
0: I mean, I could eat my sandwich down there. It'd be fine. But up here? Way this, better. This is nice. This Way is real nice. Better.
2: You know, uh, my mom always told me the only thing that makes a ham sandwich better is the risk of a free fall. You no, know, that's true. Yeah. That's, so, that's, that's, that's age and wisdom.
1: Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. You guys see Phil over there?
0: Oh, hey, hey, Phil!
1: Oh, God, hey. no, he's going to do it again. Oh, oh no, don't, oh, don't! Phil, Phil, oh. no.
0: Phil. Fell. That's the fourth time this week. Thank
2: God the net's there, huh? Hey, Phil, how you doing? All right. Yeah, he's not fine.
0: Good man, Phil, he's he's good
1: fine.
2: man. That guy's nuts. Why Ugh. do you have him working in that job,
0: specifically? I don't know. What are... I want to know is why he's wearing, you know, the, the rhinoceros suit. That I don't understand that... at all.
1: It makes no sense whatsoever. I wanna know why we're painting this bridge this god awful orange color. Yeah. Uh, there are so many other colors to choose from. We've got green and blue. I mean what are they gonna call this thing? The orange gate bridge? I think it should be called the purple gate bridge.
0: You know, I am doing the painting next week. I could I could totally do that. I could make can that happen. I could do can you? I could do some purple. Do it. Let's you know- do purple.
2: Actually, I've got to say, I think the orange is a nice complement to the Art Deco design of the of the structure.
1: Shut up. Purple's better.
2: Yeah, let's go with purple. You know...
0: God, it's really windy up here. I'm thinking maybe we should get down at some point, but... Oh, God, I don't want to climb down. My back's killing me. Why are you scratching, dude? You know, I don't know what it is, if it's just, like, the paint. I've been mixing all week long, but I've got, like... Like, these bumps in the back... Of my back like these these bumps back here and they're driving me nuts and they feel bony. I don't know what's going on.
1: Oh god, oh no, he fell. Oh he fell. Oh, oh my wait. god. What? He he's he he sprouted wings.
2: I could fly!
1: He's flying. Oh
2: my god, I could fly! What How the hell this? just happened? How is this making any sense?
1: I don't think it is making any sense. could fly, guys! I could fly! Oh, okay. What happened, Eric?
2: I think he mixed cold medicines again.
1: Oh. I am a bird!
0: Welcome to Nerds on History. I am Eric Brickmont. I'm Brian
2: Moriarty.
1: And I am Sarah Ashley.
2: The three of us are back together i don't know why i cracked just then the three of us he are was, back together just again
1: really excited <laughs> i was so
2: excited i think i was trying to do michael j fox is what i was trying to do
1: yeah. doc doc
2: you're back are you telling me you made a time machine i of have think. a f- call box <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh please call back box to be yeah. specific yes mm-hmm. uh um, yes indeed it's good to have you back sir thank you it's, it's good to actually be alive which is hard to say because I have been so sick. Yep, I have been so freaking sick. I I have had the worst cold, and then I got better, and then the cold gave me a sinus infection, which is now spread into my ear, which before even that got into my eye and caused an eye infection. So I've been on these medicated eye drops.
1: That happens, uh,
0: and then a mild case of uh, tonsillitis. So it's it's not. You know.
1: So what you're saying is we need to cut off your head.
0: <coughs> Pretty yeah. much. I mean, that would probably help. That's
1: the source of the infection, right? You just got to uh, cut it off, drain it, and then uh, maybe turn it, yeah, you know, it back on. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Check back next week. Eric will have pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. I am definitely moving towards that. Well, aside from that, though, it's good to see that you're you're doing well. Thank you.
1: Yes. Uh, better, at <laughs> better, least. Yeah.
2: Drugged is more like drugged. it. But yes, yeah.
1: functionally drugged. There you go. So guys, what are we talking about this week? Um, Well, I think we are talking about a pretty significant landmark, at least for this side of the the country um, and this part of the state. But more than anything, it's also a a, a feat of engineering.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's by far one of the most photographed and recognizable landmarks on the planet.
2: Uh, And that is, of course, the beautiful... Golden Gate Bridge.
1: Ta-da! San Francisco. Uh,
2: You know, it's true. Very much so. When you think about coming to see California, it is immediately like that and the Hollywood sign are the two biggest symbols you think of when you think of coming to the Golden State. Yeah. That's why we want to talk about it. And it's also on the cusp of its 80th anniversary, too. Next year, it'll be 80 years old. That's crazy. Yeah. That's
1: been a long time.
2: Yeah, it has. It has indeed. So where do we begin?
1: From the beginning. Um, <laughs> well, well, what was there before?
2: <laughs> before there was a bridge,
1: there w- were ferries and not much else. That right. there, that was
2: and not winged pixies barges that would transmit people across. Yes. The oh. Yeah. Just to be clear here. Wow, I was way off. <laughs> yeah, on my research. Well, thing. and I mean, if you think I about
1: misread this whole thing, <laughs> right?
2: And so, and that was the system from the gold rush all the way up mm-hmm. until. That was what, for 80 years, pretty much, that was how you got across the Golden Gate. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: you got to remember that before gold was discovered, San Francisco Bay was pretty small. There wasn't a whole heck of a lot going on. Uh, And, you know, the, the need for some sort of ferry service like this just didn't exist because there was maybe, what, 12... 12,000 people in the entire Bay Area probably at the time.
1: Well, and part of that reason is because there was no bridge, because there wasn't much transportation, it stayed relatively isolated. Yeah. But because there were so many hefty resources to be had in San Francisco... Everybody was just dying to to get a bridge, to get something closer. You know, coming down from Marin County from the north, um, and even you know, getting more bridges across the bay um, well, onto yeah. the peninsula.
0: And especially after that fateful event at Sutter's Mill, you know, once yeah. once gold was found, everybody made their way to San Francisco Harbor, and it just absolutely <clears throat> exploded. But mm-hmm. you're right; it still remained population wise small, even 80 years after the the uh, discovery of gold in California. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for something much yeah. more concrete, than yeah. it, it, it wasn't going to grow. Any- well, yeah. and,
1: and people were nervous about the idea of building a bridge across that way because, you know, this isn't too long after the 1906 earthquake and, you know, the terrible fire that that happened afterwards that
0: ravaged 90 percent of the city. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And,
1: and they thought, well, God, this is earthquake country and we're something big like that could happen again. Nothing we could build is going to sustain an earthquake like that. Yeah.
2: By the way, quick little side note on that. We should do a whole episode on the 1906 earthquake because it's 110th anniversary this year.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's a great idea. I think our listeners would love to hear it. At the very least, I want to do it and mm-hmm. tell my my great-grandfather's story yeah, absolutely. Uh, of surviving the earthquake and his fateful uh, decision to build a house down
2: in Los Gatos just about you know a year before the earthquake actually struck. Right. And just to give a little taste, though, I mean, think about, if you can imagine what San Francisco had become before the 1906 earthquake, it rivaled New York. It was a hub. And this is, mind you, New York in the early 20th century. It was not what it is now. But as far as cities, they were equal in, in almost every element of culture and commerce. Perhaps um, not
0: in population, but certainly in terms of the amount of business that was going mm-hmm, on and absolutely. how busy they were and how many yeah. you know foreign travelers were coming through. Uh, absolutely
2: yeah exactly and then it just happened to be that as we get into the 1920s and 1930s New York didn't have to worry about rebuilding after a natural natural disasters so it was able to through clever marketing build itself up as being this metropolis and this hub of America yeah Uh, whereas San Francisco was just trying to get back on its feet kind of had a little bit of a blackened eye as well yeah exactly so what I do want to say though, before we actually get to the proposal for the bridge, I want to talk about Emperor Norton for a moment. Crazy old Emperor Norton, Joseph Norton. Since we're talking about the Gold Rush, he was a man who actually made money in the Gold Rush. He was successful with that. Then he decided, I'm going to get into the rice trade, <clears throat> and he tried to buy, tried to monopolize on the, all the rice in the San Francisco Bay Area, and. failed miserably went belly up pretty much uh lost all of his money and had a psychotic break and i don't mean that in the sense that he became dangerous just he completely got disconnected from reality yeah and in so doing declared himself the emperor of the united states and also the protector of mexico incidentally um And he was Emperor Norton I, is what he was, forgetting his whole whole first name, just going with the last name. And uh, he actually declared in 1872 that a suspension bridge be built to connect the Bay together. Now, he was actually referring to what would eventually be the Bay Bridge, but the idea, the inception of that idea was in 1872, and he was also more than likely a very avid reader of the newspapers, so he knew that there was already planning going on about bringing the bridges together yeah i just want to bring it up because i think it touches on the zeitgeist of the time Mm -hmm. people are thinking about the bay is growing we need to find a way to getting connected and that's kind of where its seedlings are found basically
1: Mm -hmm. and i mean in 1919 city engineer um michael o'shaughnessy was was charged they said finally let's let's do it let's make it happen and he was charged to find somebody who could Build a bridge and have it be reasonably costed. Because, I mean, the problem is, is nothing like this was done before. And so anything that could have been, you know, foreseen or planned was going to be well, 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 more than San Francisco could afford at the time.
0: Uh, And absolutely a critical uh, piece of all of this. But, of course, the the principal designer and the man who, who led the construction project was Joseph Strauss. Uh, who was a revolutionary uh, engineer who designed the uh, the Buskill Bridge, the bridges that, you know, they they kind of move up to allow ships to pass uh, through the river. They're taller than that. And even though he himself was not a great builder of uh, suspension bridges, he, he had no real concept of that within his own expertise.
1: No, and he had pretty much only ever done inland bridges, too. He had never exactly. done an ocean a facing bridge at all
0: but yeah. but he knew how to recognize the talent that would be necessary to be brought into the project uh and and he did so uh, in bringing in several people who were involved with this many people yeah even though joseph strauss is the one who is oftentimes credited with with its design and construction there was a huge team uh sadly he was also a bit of an egomaniac uh, and had some pretty nasty vendettas against those who are the most important in the building of this bridge. Now, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but, yeah. you know, we still need to recognize the importance that he brought to the project, but mm-hmm. also the fact that uh, he greatly undermanned, uh, undermanned many other people. who Undermined? Were under, let's go with that. That sounds yeah. more like real English. Uh, <laughs> and undermined. really
1: undermined. He was only five foot tall.
2: <laughs> you know, let's let's uh
1: <laughs> it's true he was it is like, yeah. true yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, eric is heavily medicated right now folks i, <laughs> I sure wanna, am just want to make sure that everyone knows that okay. so I'm, I'm a, a freaking bird if you so forgot
1: his, uh, his verbal stumbles might be more than usual <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: Birdman, based on eric as yeah right
1: saying. um but so joseph Strauss actually submitted some initial sketches in in 1921 right. you and know and- saying that he could do it and he created what was um, a suspension hybrid kind of yeah. bridge? Not a full true suspension bridge, but kind of a hybrid, which ended up changing later anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: it it was interesting in its design, but not a hundred percent sound in principle, mm-hmm. uh, and was ugly as hell. Yeah, it uh, looked really
2: really weird looking. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was one of the principal reasons actually why they didn't go with that design is because it was not aesthetically pleasing. It
2: was functional, but it was not. Didn't it didn't really have the right form to it. But the other thing is the reason why he did that. It's because he didn't think it was possible to get a bridge that long that was a suspension bridge. They, they didn't think it could be done. And how long are we talking here? Uh, it, it's about a mile. Yeah, it's about a mile in
0: in. in well,
1: the whole the whole shebang is about one point seven miles. Yeah, but the longest span is a little over a mile. Right, and it was the longest main span of a suspension bridge um, until I believe nineteen sixty four. Yeah, when it was overtaken.
0: By the only other uh, largest suspension bridge in the United States to this date, to this day uh, in New York City, and I mean that's impressive uh, to hold that record and to hold it as long as it did, Mm -hmm. and to still be the second longest suspension bridge in the United States. I mean that's that's well, and
1: to be the first one to really get that length anyway. Yeah, the the technology, the innovation
0: that went into building it Mm -hmm. set the precedent for all future suspension bridges. Uh, I think the longest is in Japan. At this point, and yeah. it uh, it's pretty impressive. Absolutely. You can also argue
2: that it's the longest on the west coast. Well, you yeah. can't argue it. Yeah, it's a fact. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's big. That's what we're saying. Yeah. I mean, wh- but why is that significant? I mean, why is that? Why is that a big deal?
1: Well, because I think you know to be able to go that far in open ocean, um, and to be able to have the strength to withstand weather and earthquakes etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean the way this thing is constructed it you know basically is if you look at if you look at a cross section of a part of the bridge it really looks like a a giant cable with a bunch of mini cables inside it with even more mini cables inside those and ultimately what they end up creating was something that can absolutely sway back and forth like by several feet um, in case of any you know, high winds yeah. and heavy earthquakes and things like that. Too. And I, yeah. I've
0: been on the bridge in a high wind situation, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. Oh, I mean, yeah. You can feel it feels the nuts. bridge underneath you. My sister and I, we took a trip once, and it was actually my first time over the Golden Gate Bridge, which was quite an experience.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I, I was probably like 14 or something like that. We used to go on these day trips, and we'd drive around. And it was really weird. I mean, it wasn't crazy like being in an earthquake is, and you can actually see like video of Mm -hmm. suspension bridges that are designed like this in earthquakes and like the waves that are going across them it's it's frightening yeah but it was enough to be really unnerving and be like oh my god can we get off of this thing now
2: yep yeah one of the reasons why i'm not a fan of bridges um the bay (laughs) bridge don't go to portland yeah oh yeah the bay bridge terrifies me uh the eastern span the one that's the suspension side now actually is quite lovely but the other side of it It, I get anxiety every time I have to drive over it. Hmm. Interestingly enough, the Golden Gate Bridge, no anxiety. I don't know well, what it is about just, that. it's
1: just bu- you're too busy enjoying the view. The beautiful view. And, yes. and God, going through the Golden Gate Bridge... In the morning, when the fog is still there and the fog's just lifting, and you can't even see the top of the towers,
2: it's like, so it's a crystal clear blue sky. It's oh, Amazing, yeah. No,
1: no, no, no crystal. You can't even see the sky. You can't see the top of the towers. It's just all oh. fog up there, and all you're just doing is going through a tunnel of fog and bridge. And I was, it looks I had, so cool.
2: I had to drive up to Marin for a for an acting job, and it was I had to be there at like eight o'clock in the morning. So <clears throat> I was going over the bridge during rush hour. And half the bridge was covered in fog, and half the bridge wasn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got to see both. Anyway, that was like that was. That's
1: cool. Transcendental is what that is. So yes,
2: um,
0: it was an incredible feat of engineering, mm -hmm. uh, and it took a hell of a lot to actually come into existence. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of resistance to building this bridge, and it's important that we highlight that because it's it's simple and easy to look at it now and think, oh, how could you not get behind this? I mean, this is absolutely gorgeous. They would Mm -hmm. be insane, but there were a lot of people who had. Either the perception that they had a lot to lose, or they did in fact have a lot to lose and some money to go along with it. So, so who are we talking about specifically then? Well, we're talking about the ferry company for one. We already kind of set that up, right? So we're talking about the fact that the only other way to get to you know, Marin County, to get across the bridge, or sorry, to get across, we're all so used to saying it, uh, to get to the other side of San Francisco Bay feasibly was to take a ferry from its two shortest points. And the ferry company was also a subsidiary of the railroad company. Shocker. Uh, yeah, I know, right? What a what a big surprise. They're taking yeah. money for transporting people. And they were Well, you sh- know,
2: you can claim for that. Vanderbilt. But yeah, that's exactly. a whole other thing. That's a, a different podcast, wasn't. yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and mm-hmm. they had been doing this, you know, since the eighteen twenties. So this was a really well established and important form of, of revenue uh, for the railroad company in California, specifically the Southern Pacific Railroad. Uh, subsidiary so the golden gate Ferry company was very very resistant they were starting to increase their prices in kind of protest to this if you will making it more expensive to cross and therefore less popular uh, if they lower the price then and you get rid of the idea of a bridge well everyone's back to being happy uh instead it had the opposite effect and now people were getting even more upset but it cost one dollar the cost of one dollar uh in around like the the 18 teens or sorry the 19 teens excuse me Uh, and took about 20 minutes to ferry across so screw that (laughs) yeah yeah at that point you know you might as well have the bridge i mean yeah it's fun to go on a ferry unless you're me who's terrified of boats yeah uh but you know for the general population it
2: made no sense yeah i mean i'm not an expert with inflation but a dollar in the 19 teens it was a lot that
1: was pretty hefty it was that's a good chunk of change
0: yeah and there were certainly people in San Francisco who were in charge of city engineering and other planning who had put forth estimates onto what it would actually cost to build a bridge and that further tried to discourage its construction because yeah. one at one point they were suggesting it would cost $100 million. In 19... 19- this is 1916 yes. specifically, yeah. which would have been equivalent to point. $12 billion in 2009. That's the most recent, for this article I'm reading, that's the most recent estimate we have on that, that rate of inflation. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's higher now. Uh, that's absurd. <laughs> yeah. So the idea was, well, okay, we, we know we need this bridge. Screw the people who are trying to get in our way. How can we do it for cheaper? And that's when we have people like Joseph Strauss who are brought in to pull in those resources, bring in these great minds, bring the cost down, and bring it down they did. In fact, Strauss proposed that it could be built for $17 million, Mm-hmm. which was in the realm of being more the, than reasonable.
2: Yeah. Well, less than a fifth of the original cost, yes. That yeah. sounds absolutely <laughs> reasonable. Yeah, so I'd, then I'd say so.
1: Now the thing was, is okay, great. How do we get that money? And yeah. they really ended up having to... Um, convince a lot of business owners in San Francisco as well as in Marin County um over in Sonoma and and that whole northern part to really convince them like this is going to be good for your business if people can travel back and forth and get both of them you know on either side to really invest in some bonds and make it happen and he ended up getting a lot of private investors i, I believe at one point he actually went to the guy who was in charge of Bank of America itself and ended up getting a private loan from him to invest in the bridge
2: I'm sure you hit up Wells Fargo, too, since its headquarters for the world is in San Francisco. Exactly. Um, but not Washington Mutual. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I'm just yeah. thinking it's of another a bank. weird chase. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. <laughs> uh, yeah. But they also, I think a decent amount came from bonds, too, did it not? From state bonds to yep. get funded? Yep. Which was also a big deal because...
1: i'm sorry he didn't get a personal loan from um the president bank of america he got um he got him to agree to do six million dollars in bonds there you go yep still that's a hefty of change yeah
0: Yeah. especially at that time
1: so like to go you know chit chat with your buddy and be like you just want to invest six million dollars in my bridge thanks bud
2: yeah because again not anything to sniff at at all Mm -mm. at this point in time uh
0: you know it's also important to note that uh, a portion of this area that they needed to build on of course was in federal lands uh, fort Point, which is right nearby, had been a historic uh, fort up to that point. Ha ha ha. Yes, thank you. Um, and they wanted to preserve it and keep it safe. So they had to go through certain measures to make sure that was possible, in addition to purchasing land. So they had to go through the Secretary of War to actually make that possible. Um, in fact, the Secretary of War <laughs> had at one point suggested because he was quite concerned that military ships might have difficulty getting in and out of the bay in terms of protecting it because I know it sounds crazy but like the Mexican-American War at this point wasn't that far out of their recent memory I mean it was a little while before that but yeah. you know it, it's like how we think of you know
2: Vietnam or the Second World War or Korea like in our current well mindset. I mean let's be honest they had just ended a world war not too long beforehand either too So exactly so yeah.
0: you know that that was very much on the top of their heads the fact that um, they wanted to paint it yellow and black so that it would stand out as much as possible yeah, <laughs> and be visible to ships. Like, like this is the level of meddling and interfering they were having to have to please as many people as possible Jesus. Uh, thankfully they settled on orange and I never thought I'd actually hear those words come out of my mouth but uh, it could have been a lot worse folks
1: and that orange um, actually was decided by Irving F. Morrow who was the guy who designed the Art De- the art Deco towers on it and he yeah picked out the color and he, co- he called it international orange I like that
2: there you go mm-hmm. yeah so once we get The clearance, the money, the materials together. The people. The people together. They're kind of important.
1: Yeah, because they had Charles Ellis, who um, was the guy who basically did all the math on the engineering. Uh, He made it
0: plausible and come into existence. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although he was fired before the construction actually began. He did all the math, got the whole thing figured out, then was fired.
0: Formally fired, stayed on unofficially, uh, without pay. Yeah. To continue the project. If it, he hadn't done that, it probably would not have gotten. Yeah.
1: Finished. And didn't, but in he didn't get credit until many, many years later.
0: Many yeah. years.
1: Um, and then uh, Leon Mwasif, who uh, submitted the plan that actually ditched Strauss's original plan of doing a hybrid and just said, look, let's just do a suspension bridge, but let's make it sway.
2: So, like I said, so once we've got the people, the money, the resources, mm-hmm. the wherewithal, the negotiations, the gumption. The
1: chutzpah, the, the chutzpah. moxie.
2: Oh, there was so much chutzpah that they actually had
0: to design a committee to figure out what to do with it all. Yeah.
2: <laughs> then then the country falls into depression. Hooray! Uh, Yay! Hooray! Perfect timing. Um, and it's not until 1933 that the bridge actually begins construction. Roosevelt was not even inaugurated yet at this point. This is back when inaugurations took place still in march so january 5th 1933 was the uh date that construction began yeah and it
1: it started with having to excavate a lot of freaking dirt
3: (laughs) and basically
1: it was kind of cool because um what these you know workers who were just happy to be working at that point were you know plunging like 90 feet down in super strong currents. It's not like... It's it's pretty choppy over there on the bay. Oh, yeah. It's um, not fun. Yeah. It's a, and they were like diving down and like detonating rocks and then clearing debris and just doing that repeatedly, yeah. repeatedly to not get only through so that, much dirt.
2: But just the pylons of cement that they had to do, they had to figure out how they were going to even make that work yeah. because of the water. Because it the cement wouldn't even solidify correctly. <laughs> like they, they, there was... When we say that this was that this whole bridge was a feat of engineering, it's—I maybe mean, this might may be hyperbole—but I think Eric might agree with me on this. It's kind of on the level of putting a man on the moon, as far as the number of problems they had to assess and address. Granted, the moon was much more difficult. Yeah, I wouldn't agree with you. However, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I appreciate the sentiments. <laughs> but I, I think it, of those it was as a huge parallels. project. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I think of those as parallels because there was so much working against it that it persevered. That's why I bring it up. I I would agree with that. Yeah. So it's kind of spiritually like putting a man in the moon, but not, but not at all. (laughs) No, but but not at all. It's like it, but not (laughs) from an engineering standpoint, moon was way harder. Uh, (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) So the fact that they're still building suspension bridges, bigger or more complex, and we have barely managed to get out of low earth orbit in any kind of meaningful way in a long time. Uh, I think
2: proves that. Well, that's also just a lack of funding, but that's, a, that's another, that's for another, another
0: podcast. That's another
1: podcast. Nerds in
0: space. Stay Nerds focused, guys.
1: In space. Focus. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> I'll be quiet now.
1: Um, And it took, you know, so it took two years or so, two and a half years, to really get, um, you know, those iconic towers finished. Um, Cause, you know, they had to build these tall trestles and, The trestles were, you know, damaged, like, a few times, like, once because it was hit by a freaking ship, and another time because it was, like, a really big storm.
2: (laughs) How does that even happen? Like, seriously, like, I know ships move fast, but they don't move that fast, like... well no they
0: can be moving pretty
2: damn fast Mm -hmm. fair but like to not see it coming to not see the trestle and not be able to move around it well and the the titanic
1: should have seen the iceberg but they didn't
2: and that
0: (laughs) god-awful cruise ship that like went into incredibly low amounts of water and then you know tipped over just recently not that long ago yeah Yeah. reason why i
1: don't go on boats
2: (laughs) blah 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 ignorant american
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: um but yes, and that actually set construction back. But when – so the towers were completed in June of 1935. Um, and then that's where they called in um, the Jersey base Roebling Sons & Company to to handle building the suspension cables, which, you know, as I mentioned, were it's kind of like steel wrapped with tiny – like more steel. And there's like teeny tiny little bits of steel – like steel wire in there. I'm just always so fascinated by how that works because it's super strong that way and really flexible. Um and they basically master a technique in which these big wires were banded together in spools, and then they would just carry them the length of the bridge to, yeah. to stretch them out.
0: And we're talking, you know, an enormous amount of wire. Mm-hmm. We're Huge. 80,000 miles worth of wire.
2: Yeah, folks, you can actually, when you go to the bridge now, for the 75th anniversary, they built a an exhibit there, so it's like a little mini museum where you mm-hmm. can see all the the designs and basically learn how all this this was put together and they have a sample of what the the diameter of this cable looks like yep it's massive it's massive it's like I I can't even put
1: for a little bit of it's into words it's like 25,000 individual wires into each and each cable that's you know like you said it was 80,000 all together but each cable is over 7,000 feet long that's crazy talk
0: it's insane
1: <laughs> it's absolutely i mean insane. also keep in mind these towers are like you know 12 feet tall so or 12 feet 12 stories tall so it's you know kind of it's just again the whole thing was completely remarkable but the most remarkable part is that despite the hazardous conditions and the fact that people were trying something brand new and just i don't want to say winging it <laughs> but <laughs> they were winging it. they were winging it a little bit um remarkably few casualties in the time that this bridge yeah. was yeah during it, the construction yeah.
0: super impressive
1: yeah I mean in just the first four years there was only one casualty and part of that has to do with the fact that there was a nice big net underneath people were falling off constantly
0: which we could also thank Joseph Strauss for
1: yeah for having that that net underneath there um but they really only had yeah the one casualty in the first four years yeah um and there were about yes 19 workers particularly who were saved from plunging straight down because of that net, um, they called themselves the Halfway to Hell Club.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because
1: they, you know, can you imagine like slipping off of a really tall bridge and just kind of seeing your life flash before your eyes for a second before you remember? Oh, thank God there's a net.
0: (laughs) Not to be confused with the Hell's Angels. No. No, no, no. no. Although they do frequent the bridge. Yes, they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just saying. But there was uh, there was one incident in um, February of 1937 when a scaffold fell, yes. and it tore through the net, and um, ultimately- Therefore,
0: making it ineffective,
1: Making it a terrible net. Therefore, making
0: it a hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sadly, um, not to make light of the situation, yeah. but sadly, uh, there was a loss, I believe, 10, 10 lives? Yeah. 10 lives. Yeah. Um, but uh, two survivors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That did come out of that, which is, well... <sighs> scary when you think about it because uh sarah you have some some data specifically on folks who have have made that plunge and have made that plunge
1: do you want to get into that now or do you want to talk about it let's talk about
2: it after After the bridge is actually opened i think okay sorry i was thinking i was just looking at the time at 30 yeah Yeah, Yeah, no no, we should we should let's put a bookmark on that for sure but if you really honestly think about of all the construction projects that were going on in the early 20th century again New York skyscrapers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Skyscrapers. Chicago. Chrysler Chicago. Building. Yeah. Yeah. America's landscape is literally changing before your eyes. That is hyperbole. It's been used in every U.S. history class, but it is true. true. That's why it's being used. If you think about the casualties that went into building the Empire State Building, it's uh, there's no comparison. Like this is cr- this is crazy. How l- few people passed away 11 people in the entire of a of a, this supposedly exorbitantly expensive supposedly impossible project it is an achievement of it in itself
1: yep absolutely yeah. Well,
2: kudos to uh to the construction companies and their safety procedures
0: uh you know they wore hard hats so that's good yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was totally about to say. I'm like, well, with the Empire State Building, they they were having issues with you know being abducted by Daleks and turned into pigs. But that's so <laughs> true. Yeah, that's a new joke. <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge didn't have that, as far as we've seen. Um,
0: <laughs> we'll see what happens next season. We'll see
1: what happens next season when nice Moffitt leaves. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the roadway across the bridge was completed in April 19th, 1937. Um, and the bridge was officially opened to pedestrians on may twenty seventh may
2: twenty seventh
0: to which the San Francisco Chronicle referred to the bridge as a thirty five million dollar steel harp.
1: <laughs> That's actually kind of poetic. Is't that
0: kind of cool? I yeah. like that yeah. actually
1: I mean it it looks like now we all know what suspension bridges look like, so we we get it, but I can imagine you know seeing at the time going, huh Well, that's funny. Yeah. (laughs) That looks weird.
0: That's an interesting choice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, And actually, Strauss dedicated a poem titled A Mighty Task Is Done.
0: And he was correct.
1: Yep, for sure.
0: And A Mighty Party was just beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, And uh, I guess it was the day following that, that President Roosevelt announced from uh, the White House over Telegraph that the bridge was open to cars.
0: And he had a button.
1: He had a button? No, seriously, he had a button that he he pressed.
0: Uh, to start the the bridge so to speak oh really so to the open the toll lanes yeah yeah he hit a oh, button oh that's
1: so cute yeah. <laughs> isn't
0: that funny
2: yeah it was well, probably just a little wooden construct right? I didn't mean, do anything yeah. at the same time like Eisenhower had a button that converted TV to color obviously that wasn't actually happened yeah. TV was colored beforehand but he had wait wait, wait wait that's not real <laughs> <laughs> Well, you actually I, can find it online.
1: It's, it's also kind of like with rib- yeah, like ribbon-cutting ceremonies. You know you could just go under the ribbon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All, right. All right, everyone, do the limbo. We're going to go under the ribbon. There we go. So, But he had a button. It was cute. Mm-hmm. It gave him something to do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, was a, he like, wasn't you, busy with anything. I was, like, you know, trying to put the country back together and, you know... Worrying about the rise of National Socialism in Europe. Yeah, (laughs) nothing to worry about. Yeah. um, So... It was a good day for him.
1: (laughs) So I hate to bring it down a notch, but, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge being such an iconic landmark and being such a source of beauty is also really a source of tragedy as well. Yeah. Um, This bridge, since just three months after it opened, became a very large hub for suicide yeah um for people jumping off the side and and plunging and i mean you know just for some context when you're when you're jumping off a bridge from that height yeah there's a 98 percent chance that that fall, that fall is going to kill you um so J-
0: i mean just the impact on the water yeah just that the fact that you're hitting at 75 miles per hour yeah
1: the surface tension and everything like that yeah you're it's not good um and the interesting part is you know irving morrow takes all the credit for you know the color and everything like that and the beauty of this bridge he's also the guy who decided to make it less safe because mm. strauss actually included in his original plans a five foot six inch railing on the sides yeah that was capped so people couldn't climb it
3: yeah hmm
1: and Morrow said, don't do it. They they scrapped it. I think they made may have done it to help cut costs and cut back on materials. Um,
0: or it just did not meet or the aesthetically yeah. pleasing aspects of the bridge. Because remember, Strauss mm-hmm. wasn't interested in so much in that, right? Yeah. He just liked the challenge of the bridge, wanted to take the credit for all the work, you know, had safety in mind, clearly, mm-hmm. or else that net would have never been there. Mm-hmm. Um it was but really didn't have
2: the foresight to think that people were going to try well, to jump. Well,
0: was of the it. one who decided to put lights all over it and make it look really pretty and nice. And right, so yeah. it, it doesn't shock me at all that he was the one who kind of mixed sure. that safety sure. procedure. Yeah.
1: Um, but just to kind of give you a sense of the problem that this is, um, and I'm gonna you know look at it for recent numbers. In two, 2013 was actually the the highest record amount of suicides off the bridge. It was 46 deaths in one year. Yeah. Um, the previous record was 40 deaths in 1977, but usually, um, on average, the bridge is seeing at least 30 a year. Um, in so like to-
2: almost one every two weeks, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And in 2014, 161 people were detained by the bridge patrol staff from, from jumping. Um,
0: and we're talking about bodies recovered
1: know we well, yes and no, it depends on who you're talking to. So, those statistics are pulled in from um, Marin County's corner. Um so, okay, let me let's back up here a second. So, people already started jumping off the bridge like I said right after it happened. I think within the first couple of years, um there was a guy who who took his this is god awful, but it's one of the one of the stories that really stuck stuck out with me. This guy, you know, Hopped on a, um, I think it was like taking a bus or something that was going across the bridge. He jumped off the off the bus. He took his five year old daughter, and ordered his five year old daughter to jump off the bridge. And then he jumped in out and he followed her. And she was the youngest person to have um, committed suicide on the bridge, um, or been murdered on the bridge, however you want to look at it. Murder, um, murder. Yeah, murder, yeah, murder. Until um, until the mid nineties, when a guy who um from my hometown actually wonderful killed his wife then took their three-year-old daughter took her all the way across the bay like because he was on the east bay and he went all the way across the bay went to the bridge um and threw her through the baby over then threw himself over wow absolutely absolutely terrible and it's it's baffling that just people commit suicide there's so much but um you know CHP, sorry, California Highway Patrol, first requested that there be some sort of safety precaution, some sort of thing, perhaps a like a big net like they had um, during construction. Um, they first requested that in 1939. Yeah. Two years after the bridge was built and nothing has been done at this point, with the exception of some crisis hotlines and some trained patrol staff.
2: Yeah, And there's absolute value in that, too. I know Roxy, if she were here, mm-hmm. would want to mention that the suicidal state of mind is never permanent. No. it is always temporary, and there is always, always, always a place to get help. Yes. Sorry, I kind a little choked up because it it's f- sucks. Sorry, yeah,
1: it's really sad.
2: So, um, if you live in the Bay Area, don't do it. Seriously.
1: Yeah. Call yeah. a hotline. Well, if you live there's anywhere, always, always if you live yeah. anywhere, don't do it. Yeah. Um, but
2: I just because you're near the bridge, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's why I was sure. bringing it up for but,
1: sure. Uh, um. But so, you know, there's an estimated 1600 to 2100 jumpers since the bridge was built. And that's just estimated because 1600 is really the bodies found. Yes. The the numbers go up because at some point the San Francisco Coroner's office stopped counting. They just stopped counting. They just because it was too much. It was. It was a lot of unreliable witnesses. Couldn't find bodies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Marin, the Marin County Coroner's Office never stopped. They've never stopped counting. Okay. Um, and they've um and they'll take in witness accounts. Um, yeah. And they will count it for if the bodies never hasn't been found, they'll still count it. Um. So that's And they're why, putting
0: the estimate around twenty six hundred total.
1: Yeah. So, or twenty one hundred total. Excuse me, twenty one hundred. Yeah, so that's that's the the numbers. Um, I got this this information from the Bridge Rail Foundation, um, which actively works hard to stop um, Golden Gate Bridge suicides. Many of the members of their board um, are uh, mental health professionals, um, people who have lost children or family members or friends on the bridge, et cetera. So a lot of these people work together in a coalition. And what's really amazing is that. Um, you know, like I said, so the a net of some sort was first requested in 1939. They were starting to explore solutions and study it in 1948, but still nothing was happening until the crisis lines were put in. That didn't happen until the mid-90s. And even then, there was still no research afterwards to really see how effective it was. Yeah. Um, again, because they stopped counting. But in the early 2000s, um, there had been enough talks around and around and around and I think in 2014 the board who's in charge of the bridge finally decided that yes they will build a safety net underneath the bridge um, by 2019 so something is going to happen they had they've already yeah. done a lot of research they've been um, studying you know what's going to be actually say if what's going to last what's going to be cost-effective blah 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 all this other stuff um but it is going to happen
0: yeah only will take 80 years to have actually accomplished it from the point where it was first suggested yeah uh it's interesting to note that in 2006 british um filmmaker mm-hmm. documentary filmmaker by the name of eric Steele,
3: uh yeah. got
0: permission from uh the golden gate bridge association to actually do filming year-round filming of the bridge um They weren't 100% honest with what it is they were planning on filming. Mm -hmm. uh, Because in reality, what they were meant to do was to capture the 23 suicides that they were able to get on video that year.
3: Yeah,
0: And um, they made a documentary film around this being a suicide destination, the second highest in the world, in terms of bridges, that is. Mm -hmm. Um, The one only higher than that is the uh, Yangtze uh, Bridge in China. And... um, they had also interviewed the family members of those who they had identified and who had actually jumped off the bridge. And the film got very mixed reviews, obviously, because of its extremely morbid content. Uh, but it was meant, at least from the filmmaker's perspective, to bring a light and awareness to a very okay. serious problem that had been yeah. going on for a long time that wasn't being properly addressed, uh, to bring light to the fact that suicide is not a good option and the fact that it destroys families in mm-hmm. um, yeah. and a, and a hope to be a deterrent for, to those who would watch it others have criticized it as being taking advantage of these people's deaths and the families who are suffering uh and actually making the bridge even more desirable place to commit suicide making it more notorious um and I'm not here to say that either one of these arguments are, are correct or not. The reason I bring it up is because I find an interesting parallel in that in 2008 is when the first real serious proposals were finally yeah. coming through to build this safety net. And to Sarah's yeah. point, now finally some traction is being made uh, well, as of uh, t- last two years.
1: Yeah. Well, and what's really interesting was in 2014, right before the, um, the board decided that they were, in fact, going to um, build this net a couple months earlier... One of the members of the board's um, his grandson jumped off the bridge and committed suicide. However, that particular board member had already been in favor of building some safety precautions, and yeah. he had he had been a proponent and he had been very vocal about it. And he had actually um, he knew that his um he knew that his grandson was was having concerns because there was another moment earlier in his life where I guess he had um, attempted suicide. So
2: yeah, it's. That's true. It just—it's always tragic when it takes the situation being brought to you personally Mm -hmm. for it to—oh, sure—to actually get things moving. But the good news is that they're moving.
1: That is—isn't that sort of the definition of tragedy? Is that it's from yourself and your experience, and it's not. Everybody always says, you know, that's tragic from like accidents and things like that. I I, I mean, the real definition of tragedy. No, it's—it's when it's something that's coming from within something coming from internal that then brings on your downfall that is tragic so yes when it comes to suicide that is absolutely utterly tragic and it's so sad to to have something that is so unifying in one respect you know it not only geographically unifying um but for this area so unifying i mean Anybody who lives around here who doesn't like feel proud to live here from seeing the seeing the bridge and, you know, kind of feel a sense of hometown pride, but then to have these actions that are actually just taking people away from their families and taking people away from their loved ones. It's just it's
0: it's a double edged sword. Yeah. yeah. Um, Can I pull us out of the cry zone for a moment? I would love to do that because I have something I'd like to share that lightens the load, too, but you go first. Yeah, so. I just you know who would have thought this was the episode of Brian would be crying? Uh, but you know, <laughs> not
2: since that's a sexy turkey minus the kale. <laughs> yeah, I know. Have I lost my cool <laughs> on the podcast? Um, I you know no, I thought stuffing. I I no. thought I'd
0: share some some
1: on light. this podcast. Uh, on well, this, yeah, podcast. On this podcast. you've cried on the other one a few times. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. I thought I'd share a couple of, like, fun facts just to kind of bring us back. Uh, obviously, we have another big podcast on this uh, channel that is, of course, Nerds on Film. And I thought, what a fun little film parallel to list off some of the major motion pictures in which the film ha- or think, the bridge has been listed.
2: I think it's San Francisco is, like, the third most filmed location in the world, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that, that I don't know. But I do know that the Maltese
0: Falcon was one of the first major films to feature the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. I just
2: saw the film for the first time last year week, because they were doing... Oh, it as, that's right! You sent that in a text message the mm-hmm. other day. And it is it is so cool, because it looks I mean, I don't know if they actually shot in San Francisco for all the movie, but all the references to San Francisco... Yeah, it's fun. It's really, really fun. It's really fun. I
0: yeah. was disappointed by the lack of, of real Falcons involved in the
2: production, <laughs> but
0: you know me. Yeah, um, uh, Humphrey Bogart's uh, Dark Passage. Uh, it came from Beneath the Sea, which is a 1955... Apparently that was a hit in 1955. I'm sure my father... Uh, would love it. He's a big fan of absolutely uh, terrible old movies. Um, Vertigo. The Love Bug. Can't go wrong with The Love Bug. Um, and, of course, Herbie Rides Again, because, you know, you can't have one without the other. Uh, Naturally. The Domino Principle, which I have never heard of, but apparently features Gene Hackman and, and Mickey Rooney, so it must have been good. High um, High Anxiety. Uh, invasion of the Body Snatchers, Superman, A View to Kill, Star Trek for course, The Voyage Superman Home, Superman
2: puts the bridge back together. He, yeah, I mean, that's like the most iconic moment in the movie, next to him flying around the world backwards. And, and keep in mind, folks,
0: well, now we're talking about Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, Star mm-hmm. Trek 4, that was the first Star Trek mo- movie to feature um, the Golden Gate Bridge, and the first one to reference that Starfleet headquarters was located in San Francisco. Um, Star Trek 6, The Undiscovered Country. Which also has a little tie in there. Of course, here we go. Uh, Final analysis, interview with a vampire, murder in the first, The Rock, duh. Star Trek Um, in the Darkness. Homeward Bound 2. Interesting, the original Homeward Bound, no Golden Gate Bridge. Well, Mm. it
1: wasn't in San Francisco.
0: Well, that explains it.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Haven't you ever seen Homeward Bound?
0: Yeah, probably. It's one of those movies where I know I saw it as a kid, and I've watched it since as an adult because I have kids, but I was probably on my
2: iPad through most of it. Isn't, um, (laughs) I know one of the... (gasps) I know. I'm just kind of trying to, try to ignore. It. <laughs> what? I'm just trying to trying to ignore it. But it isn't like I could have sworn one of the Robin Williams, Chris Columbus collaborations has the Golden Gate Bridge? And obviously, like well, Mrs. We're, talking was about, we're talking about, we're talking about major Doubt- motion pictures. It's not Mrs. every Doubtfire picture. Doubtfire
1: has a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge because I think they're okay. going through the park.
0: Oh, there you go. N- N- Nerds on oh. film. Yeah. Um, this is not everyone. These are just considered major, and I would actually consider Mrs. Doubtfire yeah, should totally be on this list. Also, I think also that is an incomplete I- list.
2: Sorry. It is, especially <laughs> because it's featuring, Man, and this yeah. is
0: the most atrocious uh, of uh, misstep of this list, X-Men The Last Stand, <laughs> uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, yeah. animated, but still okay, uh, Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus, uh, Star Trek, the 2009 one, <laughs> uh, Going the Distance, and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh,
2: I'm going to add one more to that. And the other Planet of the Apes after that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very saddened that you did not mention Inside Out. Because oh, yeah. they drive over the bridge. Yes, in they
1: movie. do. Uh, I mean, that's not the real I, bridge. I think
0: the list I'm reading off of probably stopped at 2011, because I know the other Rise of the Planet of the Apes
2: or the other Planet yeah, sure. Apes movies had it in there too. Hold on just a second. If you guys don't know, Pixar is based in Emeryville, it is a Bay Area oh, yeah. film studio. They have a point of reference. Well,
1: yeah, they have a point <laughs> of reference, but it was it was still not the bridge itself. Point being.
0: Uh, point another being. fun factoid, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up, folks. Uh, on opening day, um, there was a per, per, uh, a week-long celebration to actually celebrate the, the opening of the Golden Gate Bridge. And it involved uh, thousands upon thousands of people coming out. And they actually didn't allow any kind of cars over initially. It was just for people to walk across yep. and take pictures and have fun. Um, and uh, in addition to that, they eventually did create a motorcade. But they brought the motorcade over on ferry over to the <laughs> other side of the bridge. And then drove into San Francisco, kind of like giving the finger to the ferry company one last time. Um, <laughs> and, and the kind of like ribbon-cutting ceremony, they had all these different checkpoints where they had different ceremonies along the way. Yeah. And at the very end um, was uh, Joseph Strauss surrounded by um, scantily clad models.
2: Uh, <laughs> Who, their stuff was inspired by the Golden Gate Bridge, of course. Yeah. The golden uh, girls or whatever it was
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well done right <Brian.
3: laughs> <Well Wow. done.
0: laughs> i know sean's loving that too um i can't golden
2: it girls. just came out it just came out
0: um, um so yeah it was a fun party and every big celebration of the anniversaries since have always been um huge events uh the 50th anniversary shut down the bridge in a big way they had well
2: there was even rioting in the first time they opened it it was crazy something else happened on the 50th anniversary too because they had i think up to it wasn't a million but it was a lot of people on the bridge so much so that it flattened oh that's right yeah it flattened everyone was like everyone felt it it went went, went, boom it went boom and everyone's like uh let's get off the bridge (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, I, t- I totally forgot about yeah, that. Willie yeah, Willie Brown was on the... Br- he wasn't there at that point, but Willie Brown was on the bridge when that happened.
1: And he said it was pretty terrifying. terrifying.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was before the Loma Prieta as well, so... It was, oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
1: they yeah. didn't understand that. No, no, seriously. It can withstand a lot for, for realsies. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: going to be fine, guys. It'll, It'll be all fine. be
1: good. Just just play it cool. <laughs> we have a change of underwear station
0: at yep. both ends of the bridge. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, shall we get into some listener feedback?
2: Yes. And oh, oh well, no, yeah, we do that, was, don't we? Well, before we do that, I wanted to wrap it up with a couple of quick facts, because why not? The flattening one was one of them, um, but, now the bridge, obviously, is an icon. People have bass jumped off of it. People have gotten married on the bridge. But I think the most important one is that it's a project that is always in motion, literally, because... The paint is always being reapplied because of how long the bridge is right. and how quickly, because of the salt factor in the water, yes. that it erodes. In the air, more importantly. In yeah. the air, uh, the water vapor in the air, I should say, that erodes the paint. By the moment that the bridge is being painted again, they have to start all over again. So it's always being
0: improved upon. Yeah, they have painters who are going all the time. Yep. Kind of like my character in the cold open.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Minus the hallucinations.
1: Yes, minus those. Yes. All right, now we'll do feedback this week but before we do that (laughs) i actually want to um give a quick little shout out so i don't know if you guys remember about a year year and a half ago ish um my good friend jill over at Poppy Jasper Games and her uh, her boyfriend Brian um, were they did their board game Lost Woods and we're doing a Kickstarter for it. Well, right now they're actually also doing a Kickstarter for a new game called Nomi. It's G N O M I, and it is super freaking fun. I played a demo of it, and um, this is a really really cool game because. Uh, it's a card game, and you do not need a table to play it. So you can play it in line while you're waiting for the next midnight premiere. You can play it while you're, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know, running around the library. You can play it anywhere, anywhere. All you need is you hands. You could play it in space. You could play it in space on
0: the International Space That's Station. That's
1: true because you don't have to put any cards down, so they're not going to go flying in an anti-grav situation. And even if you had to, Velcro. Yeah. Well, but you don't. You don't ever put your cards down. You just hold your cards in your hand. I know. And you trade cards back and forth. I just really like Velcro. Cool. (laughs) Um, And it's basically a game where you are. Um, using your gnomes who have special powers to um, either gather more mushrooms or destroy other people's mushrooms. So there's a really fun screw your neighbor element to it. Okay. There's a really fun kind of go fish aspect to it. Ooh. And it's just a really awesome game. So again, gnomi, G N O M I, and you just search for it on Kickstarter, Poppy Jasper Games. Support them because I want to play this game.
0: <laughs> you heard it folks it's got gnomes it's got drugs it's got sex with your neighbor <laughs> you, you, you can't beat it folks it's great Shall we get to some listener feedback this week in listener- oh, oh wait before we get to that there's <laughs> one more fact i want to share and that is the photo that you're actually seeing attached to the the file that you're downloading to listen um is a photo taken by my grandfather um after, shortly after he came back to the United States, he was born here, went to Europe because Prohibition and my great-grandfather, you know, hey, wine, got to have that. Anyway, uh, he came back to the U.S. and took a picture of the Golden Gate Bridge being built. Uh, so we included that as a as a special yeah. little feature for you folks. And I
2: believe we talked about that story more about uh, when our episode where we talked about our family backgrounds yeah oh
0: also you know the bay bridge was kind of built at the exact same time of all this too we should have mentioned that
1: no well now they know
0: he's got pictures of that too so when we do the bay bridge episode talks about the bay bridge everyone talks about the golden gate and oakland is always getting screwed like that
2: and it's not cool dude
0: this week in listener feedback
2: uh for this episode we're going to read one from hillary she writes nerd recommendations Hey there, I've been listening to the podcast for the last few weeks, catching up on the old episodes. I've made it to fall 2013 at this point. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> got a bit of a ways to go. Uh, I love the content. I'm a college student and I'm taking a few semesters off to school. Uh, she did want to note the, creation, the appreciation of Brian covering the aspects that were influenced by Christianity. It's great to listen to somebody unapologetically stand In their Christian beliefs, Uh, all too frequently I hear people avoiding to state beliefs for fear of offending somebody. Brian is able to explain the Christian faith in a clear and non-offensive way. He's brought many interesting tidbits up that I was completely unaware of, and I can say that is a rarity. Uh, I've studied the Old and New Testaments as well as church history extensively. I went to a Christian high school part-time while being homeschooled through 7th and 12th grades. Um, Thank you. I do appreciate that. I, I think everyone knows that I'm the resident Catholic on the why does no
0: one ever send me any you know things about being agnostic (laughs) why don't i ever get that dear eric thank you for acknowledging everything else
2: i never get that yeah i never get it i've always been joked that if i ever became a priest i would be a jesuit and that's kind of the it's kind of the same thing it's 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 the hippie part of catholicism if you really (laughs) think about it it really is um so that being said everyone knows i'm also kind of a liberal too so it's Yes, you can be both. So um, anyway.
1: Well, it's just you can be both. They're called Episcopalian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a Catholic. That's Touché. the important part. That's the that's the, the operative word there. All right. Keep going. Sorry. She wanted to point out that she would love to suggest the history of Ireland. I am skipping ahead because she talked about how she got exposed to Catholicism uh, when she traveled to Ireland for a little bit. But she did want us sp- because of her travels there. She wanted to suggest uh, a history of Ireland. She was able. She was there on the centennial of their first battle to gain separation from England, and uh, their official centennial of becoming a country is coming up this March. Sweet.
1: It would be a lot to do an entire history of Ireland and even a two-parter, so we probably would want to break it down.
3: Yeah.
0: But
1: um, I know that both, I mean, I know I'm super interested in Irish history.
0: I'd be really fascinated to cover some of the more recent events including the separation from England I mm-hmm. think that would be that would be really I mean awesome, if we just though. talked yeah. about
1: the Irish Revolution in itself that would be a really yeah. Yeah. interesting topic. We
2: won't be able to do that this March obviously because this is the first episode and we already have the plans for the next episode um, for March of this year but we can definitely circle back to it doesn't next even year.
1: have to be March
2: Nope does Ireland
1: not. is around all year round
2: That's right yes but of course as we mentioned because of last Patrick's year Day. But Day. how cool will yeah. it
0: be? If for 11 months out of the year, it disappeared.
1: Like Brigadoon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brigadoon was Scottish. Well, okay. Well, how about, Get out. Okay. Like, like, like lost. You're, in the Celtic, lost. you're in the
2: Celtic range for a little bit. Um, lastly,
1: I can't believe I just dropped a Brigadoon reference. That was a deep cut. That was yeah, no sweet. kidding. That was, <laughs> fine.
2: That, was, that was awesome. Um, Eric, she did say something about you too. Oh, yay. Uh, I appreciate how much of an uh, agnostic Eric is. No, uh, actually, <laughs> Uh says, uh, Eric, what about history of museums? While in London, I saw the Victoria and Albert Museum was hit in World War I or two. She wasn't sure which one it was. And they left the damage as a display. What do museums do to secure their items when there are threats like that to London's? Um, it also astounds me that Eric's knowledge is not only about Egyptology, but his also his ability to compare his knowledge of it with cross-cultural measures. Uh, I wonder if Egyptians' methodology of construction was the same as Newgrange's development. She mentioned Newgrange's earlier in the episode, uh, earlier in the email. So uh, that's another episode. Yeah. Yes, good question. Thank you, Hillary. Very much appreciated. We'd love to do. What we actually did talk about a long time ago doing a history of museums, or just talking about the topic of museums. I, I, I think we should put it on the docket. I'd we love to. We shall, do that. indeed.
1: And then right back again when you get to my episodes. <laughs> because i'm like i'm here and you guys get all shut out what the hell is that
2: sarah who else do we have feedback uh
1: we have some feedback from ruth uh subject eugene enthusiasts yeah that was a fun episode i mean it was a great (laughs) episode title and it was a good it was a fun episode to do even though it was a terrible terrible topic (laughs) yeah um uh she says this is going to make me sound archaic but i just discovered podcasts and found yours nerds on history right away Yay. I just love them. I've been listening to them randomly and just listened to The Eugene Enthusiasts. Wow, what a messed up world we are in. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I wanted to mention that the Native Americans have been sterilized without their knowledge or yes. consent up until the 1970s, I think 1976. It is really sad to think that we as a people can treat each other so terribly. Love 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 the podcasts. And we love 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 you, Ruth. Love you. Yes.
2: We do have more feedback. We will share it the next episode. Yes. Yeah, it's a good idea. It is. So uh, thank you for sharing that, Sarah. And by the way, why don't you tell our listeners how they can give us feedback?
1: Carrier pigeon. Yes. In addition to carrier pigeon. (laughs)
2: Really well-trained hamsters.
1: (laughs) That one works too. That's
2: not as successful because of of cats, unfortunately. You can also
1: send a fox. But the best way of doing it is by going to the website, you can go to nerdonomy.com, click that talk to us button. It will send an email straight to our inboxes and we all see it and we all appreciate it. Uh, You can also hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, nerdonomy, just find us. Um, And you will also uh, find on our website, you can find information to give us a voicemail if you want to call us, or you can also um, send us something in the mail. Our address is there as well.
2: Yes, indeed. A quick note to that, the voicemail email is only visible on the desktop version of our website the p.o box is available no matter what yep. um so you know we do have a bias toward cookies uh just saying you know, and you just
1: want. let us know when you send them yes yeah. and
2: please don't poison them because yeah, that's we'd a federal that. offense no, that's so- okay
1: brian needs it first anyway um <laughs> <laughs> he is the official taster
2: <laughs> <laughs> figures
1: uh, but also, the best thing you guys can do for us is just give us a review on iTunes yeah. or tell your friends about us. Spread the word of nerd, yeah, like a bird turd, as Sean would say.
2: Oh, yes, indeed. You pretty much nailed it. I don't have anything else to add. Great to that, except that it is that time. So until we meet again, nerds, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Goodbye. Later.
0: I'm a crested ibis. Well. A crested
1: ibis. He is awfully you, get, get specific. Get away from me. I can fly through Egypt.
2: I'm. Jesus. He glued feathers to his arms.
1: I mean, I kind of like this, Eric. He's a little fun. Just just don't try to lay any eggs in here, please. Too late. Oh, God. I'm fun!